three, two, one. Welcome back. Okay, so in this podcast, I'm gonna go over fishing during the summer, or I guess, I guess it's just fishing for finicky striped bass, um, and it's it's a thing that is what a lot of people deal with when they fish. They deal with having bass that are very difficult to catch because um, a lot of the times people are fishing a lot of the time people fish during the day because they can't afford to be fishing at night for whatever reason so uh, in this podcast I just want to go over like how to get finicky fish to eat uh, because it is it's very difficult to do um, it's sometimes even difficult to get schooly bass to come up and hit your lure uh, and sometimes they're under the water. Sometimes they're 30, 40 pound bass under the water during the day and they're just not feeding so they won't come up and hit your plug. Uh, how do you get those fish that are not feeding to come up and hit your plug? And the cool thing is I've, I, I literally, I mean, the biggest fish I ever caught, I caught in the middle of the day. Um, but at the same time that was at the Cape Cod Canal and I, no like offense to anyone that fishes the Cape Cod Canal, but as many of you know, it's not the hardest place to catch fish in the middle of the day. So um, when uh, it's much more difficult to catch a really big fish uh, off of any just coastline structure. I don't care if you're in Montauk, New York, or you're in, um, you know, wherever else there's a Mecca, I guess. The Cape Cod Canal, I feel like the Montauk and the Cape Cod Canal are like the two big fish places um and then it's of course a lot easier to do when you're out in a boat uh and a lot of uh a good way to catch really big fish is to follow bait patterns um and that's something that is really like it's just so hard to uh to gauge i mean you just got to be lucky to be there um i mean it's one of those things that's like okay there's a giant school of mackerel or a giant school of bunker and they're moving through this area and there's 40 pound bass feeding on them and uh, you can snag a bunker and flip it back out there and hook it into a 40-pound bass in the middle of the day. That happens, but it's super, super rare to do. You can also throw other plugs like pencils and stuff, and you can still hook big fish. And It's just very hard to come upon a blitz of that magnitude uh, in general. So how do you do that when there's nothing really showing? And Because uh, that's the most, like, that's like, okay, if I'm going to pick the perfect scenario to catch a 40-pound bass during the day, I'm talking about a full-out blitz on mackerel or bunker i mean that's the best way to do it but it's not always the most practical way and you generally don't run into that and few people ever run into that i've never ran into something like that besides being at the canal once and that wasn't even a full-out blitz that was just a lot of big fish running through the canal so uh that's just difficult to come across in general uh does it happen yeah and do people come across it yes uh but uh i mean it's something that is that is kind of like a once in a lifetime thing if you can come across a bunch of really big fish feeding on the surface uh and it's definitely the best way to do to to fish for big fish during the summer um and when a lot of people fish for striped bass they do really well in the spring and then during the middle of the summer the dog days of the summer it gets a lot more difficult to hook into bigger fish so um and a lot of the time, people will just start fishing for other species that are easier to catch, especially if they're fishing from shore. Um, and that's something that, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I feel like 
okay, you're waiting for the big fish to show up in the spring. And then during the summer when the big fish are there, people are not utilizing the like time that they have with the large fish in the area. And myself included in that statement, like I caught, I mean, I've caught really big fish during the day, but I've also um, not utilized my time as best as I could be. Because I've had, in the last year I had two scenarios where it was the dog days of summer and I hooked two bass. Actually, I didn't personally hook one of them, but I was there taking someone to a spot and they hooked the bass. Um, And it was like one of those things that we both casted out and I was getting a whole bunch of schoolies and he was behind me and he caught the big fish. So, you know, uh, what can you do about that? Um, But it was good because he never hooked really big fish, even though the fish didn't fight uh, and was really... um, it was really weird, and I'll get into that story, and I think we've told it a few times, but um, it's it's uh, one that really, uh, like, in the best way describes, like, fishing for fish when it's sunny out and they're not feeding. Um, and that's really cool because that, in general, was an interesting day because it was, um, you know... The, it was interesting because when we were fishing, so me and Ben, who is sometimes my co-host on this podcast, um, we're fishing and he's not, he doesn't fish uh, like I, he doesn't like, he's somebody that you would, he just comes out because I fish and uh, so I don't know, I'll bring him around and, I, and he always comes out and catches all the big fish and I do all the legwork and get him on these monsters, but uh, which is fine. If, as long as one of us is hooking into a 40 pound bass, I don't care, but he's has a horseshoe. <laughs> so because he just I feel like I mean he probably caught maybe 10 fish last season and a good seven of those fish were over 20 pounds so that just shows you that like I mean his when he hits it he hits it perfect um and so that's always I mean so I love taking people out fishing that's what I, I love doing it and I may at some point start guiding and I have all this stuff that I'm thinking about at points but uh, regardless, um, I, I think that one of the most fun things to do is to bring someone out fishing and somebody that doesn't really fish very much and catch and have them hook into a big fish. Now that's really, really difficult to do with a beginner when it's pitch black out. Um, and that's when I would bring someone out to go fish for a huge striped bass. I mean, that's like the way that I can say, I'm going to catch you a giant fish. If you come out and throw an eel here, you can catch a big fish. Or throw a plug here, you can catch a big fish. Um, So I like to, when I bring people out for the first time, I like to give them an experience that's like consistent action. Uh, And that's, you know, it's something that is sometimes difficult to do uh, when it's the middle of the summer. Uh, So I guess we'll get into when's the like the best time to when you're having real trouble catching fish and you're getting skunked and uh the the bass are not really feeding very well um when's the best time to fish and really the three best times to fish are morning evening and at night uh but um as far as the morning goes the bite in my opinion because the sun rises very early i mean we pretty much it starts getting bright out it starts getting bright out around three in the morning um, during the middle of the summer. And this is when the fishing's at its slowest. So pretty much you have from like nine o'clock to like two. 
that's like it being really dark out. Um, so you start if you start fishing at three, you can stuff starts to get brighter out. Um, and so if you can if you can start fishing at three, because that's when that slight change, which will either either kill a bite or start one. And I've talked about that. Every change, uh, no matter how subtle it is, can actually switch on and off feeding for a striped bass. And I, I don't know why that is, um, but for some reason, you know, whether that be th- th- it getting bright out can actually kill a bite and it getting dark out can start a bite. I mean, and, or vice versa with that. Um, being said the I've had like again I've always I preach every rule in striped bass fishing can be broken because a lot of the time you like you'll be fishing and you'll be catching fish and you can catch fish all the way through tide swings tide or different tides and through different um uh like like uh if it's dark then in the morning then or like it's dark at night and you go and you fish through the morning, you're still getting consistent action. Does that happen all the time? I mean, there's many bites where I'll start at like 12 and I'll fish from 12 to 8 o'clock and have consistent action all the way through that time period. Uh, even though like I guess the morning bite and the night bite all start very similar. You have probably three hours on either side and it's actually my favorite time to fish. And a lot of people say, oh, don't go out when it's, you know, just starting to get dark. You want to go and fish when it's dark out. I think that when the bass are at their most aggressive is when it's, when it's swinging from it being bright, like from like sunset to dark. I think that that is a bite. And I do think towards the end of that, sometimes it will slow down. And when it gets dark, you fish for 30 minutes and you're not catching anything. All of a sudden, the bite will pick back up again. I mean, that happens. It definitely, definitely happens. Um, and so the I if I'm like bringing someone out for the first time and I want to get them consistent action, I'll say, how early are you willing to wake up? Generally, I can get them out there around 4. <laughs> and if I can get them out there around 4... And I can get them on a good tide with good wind, and um, I like I'm 100% confident no matter what time of the year it is that I can get them on a big fish. Um, and so that's very, it can be very uh, difficult to be like I guarantee you there's going to be fish biting because again you can't really guarantee anything in the sport, but uh, it it definitely increases the likelihood of there being fish feeding. Uh, whether that changes depending on like the weather out is is really up in the air um, and something that's really uh, something that is really important is the weather but I'll get into that in a little in a second because the weather can affect everything but the subtlest uh, I guess the most subtle change is going to be a few hours um, in uh, like a few hours in a t- in time in f- for sun like rise within a few hours it's going to be a little bit brighter out from three to four or five in the morning it's going to be a little bit brighter out but that subtle change could in fact uh start or end of bite uh so i like to start fishing in the morning and i guess we can get into plugs that i love throwing when it's summer and i one of the plugs that i throw all the way through the summer and i really really got into this year was I, I call it the spook style plugs or plugs that walk back and forth. Um, and they're one of the, I mean, and this is like by far, I'm talking schoolies, 
like schoolie bass, you can throw little walking plugs. Um, and uh, there's like a small magnum walker and there's a large magnum walker. Um, and I like, so the problem that I always have had with spook plugs is that they end up diving under the water. Um, and there's a little cut in the front of this plug. So when it, when you work it back and forth across the surface, it doesn't end up diving under the water, which is so like awesome because it, it beautifully walks across side to side instead of diving under the water which is very concerning when you have a giant fish waking on the back of your plug and you're trying to work it and you get excited and you mess up your timing and it not being a forgiving plug and it not like staying, even though you might not get a perfect side-to-side -side action, walking action with the plug and you might just get it to jump forwards, uh, that's better for me. For, it's better than it diving under the water because then the bass could get a good look at it and be like, this is not it. I don't want to eat this. Um, so... It's a very forgiving plug to use uh, for like in, as far as spook style, style plugs work. Um, so they're awesome because they they're you work them pretty slowly. You can work them all sorts of ways. I kind of like to just work it back into itself, but you can pop it one way and have it jump in one direction, and you can let it sit and then pop it the other way and let it sit. And there's all sorts of stuff you can be working it and then stop it and then work it a little more and then stop it. But what's going to happen is that fish that's following uh, your plug is going to, you know, be thinking, okay, it's a wounded bait fish. Have you, if you've ever um, snagged bunker and you've like hooked them and let them swim around, a lot of the times they'll swim up on the surface and then when they get close to death and they get like, and they see a fish coming up to eat them, they'll like jut across the surface and stop. It looks very similar to a spook. And that's why I think that a lot of the time when the bass are, uh, like being very finicky you you have something that is slower lackadaisical like on the surface it's gonna trigger that bite that is very difficult to get sometimes you can't get that with a pencil that being said sometimes they the pencil is the only way to call in a bass but um i'll get to that in a second as far as like the way the bass are reacting to certain plugs um but sometimes in early, early morning, my two favorite plugs to really throw are spook plugs, spook style plugs. And if I can get this out here, um, the other one that I love throwing is uh, is large Danny plugs, um, especially on the surface of the water. Um, and that's just because like both of these are top water plugs, but um, they work absolutely fantastic for finicky fish because finicky fish are not wanting to expend a lot of energy to go chase down a, like some bait, uh, like a bunker or something. Uh, and a bass that's aggressive will also hit a slow moving bait. But so, so it doesn't hurt you in any, in any way, but it helps you when the bass are being like, are not feeding, but they see something slowly moving in their strike zone above their heads through the water and they're looking up at it and they're, they, this thing is slowly moving in front of them and they're like, why am I going to pass up a free meal here? Even if they're full, a lot of the times, even if they're full, a lot of the time the plug will be working and it will be in their strike zone for so long that they can't resist it and they go up and hit it. Same thing with the pencil, same thing with the spook. It's in their strike zone for such a long period of time that they just can't resist it. 
and they're very curious creatures as well. So they'll actually come from pretty far away to check out uh, disturbances on the surface of the water. Um, and I again, I would not be afraid to throw this in very choppy in wavy conditions. If you can get it out to the strike zone, sometimes this is what they want. Um, and it's very hard to work sometimes, but at the same time, it's like, in my mind, you I throw Danny plugs whenever it's like you're in a boulder field, regardless of the the conditions. So uh, I just those are two like re like two ways and two plugs that work very well. And this is going to lead into my story perfectly because um, I was fishing with Ben. Uh, it was early spring. Um, it was it was like early June. It was like June seventh or something. And um, for us in Cape Ann, we don't really see bass up to 30 pounds until maybe late June. But there are very, very small percentage of bass that are 30 pounds that make their way up with that first rush of fish. Um, and it's, it's super, super unlikely that you get one that big that early. And I, I mean, I read reports online and I never follow reports. And that's something that's like, yeah, you hear that like, oh, the canal's lit up and I'm like an hour and a half or two hours away from the canal or whatever. So if I go drive up there, you know, I'm just like wasting time. And I have a story that, that I've told before where I've driven up there, caught nothing, came home, caught a 45 pound bass. So it's just one of those things that's like, you don't really like, don't, chase reports because it will always I always think that on the rarest of occasions will it actually pan out and most of the time doesn't pan out unless you have a friend that's calling you and it's like the fish are biting right now come that's the only time it would ever work out for you so um anyway but I, I we were fishing and it was it was probably 80 degrees um and it was like the first really warm warm nice day and and we were, it was, I'm trying to think here. So it was like a really warm, nice day. It was probably three days before the new moon, but there was not a cloud in the sky. It was like, it was blue skies and everything. Um, the only thing that was in our favor is the wind was blowing in the right direction. So uh, we went out there, the water was super clear. Um, and we went out to one spot and the place that we were fishing, a lot of the coastline that I fish is just huge stretches of rocky cliff with boulder fields, which is great for fishing. And generally when I have a spot, I I try to explore that area. Um, and a lot of what I do, and I've preached this in the podcasts, is I like to look for cuts. So all of my spots are generally in a cut because there's a point and a point. There's gonna be fish on the point, there's gonna be fish on the inside of the cut, on the side of the cut, depending on the tide, where the current is rushing by. There's so many things that factor into why there's gonna be fish in that little cut, but they're not gonna be, I mean, they are, but it's more difficult in, to find a fish staging on a flat like cliff line. If there's something jutting out or a boulder or something that you can gauge in your way, like I'm gonna cast in front of this or beside this with the waves or, that's the only way you'll be catching stuff is, is if there's structure. So when the when there are cuts and stuff, it gives a little place where bass can kind of stage up and set up. So we there in we are fishing in a cut or in a little cove or whatever you want to call it. And so we you walk across that cove and uh, it was low tide um, and we were fishing in one spot 
and uh, we, I mean, I maybe I hooked into like a 14-inch bass, reeled it in. As I was reeling in, it popped off, and we're like, oh, like, well, good. We're not catching anything today because we were fishing that spot for maybe 30 minutes, and we got one hit. Um, and then I was like, why don't we try a little bit further down? There's some. The current is starting to pick up. It was getting around mid-tide at that point. Um, and I and I was like, if we go fish in that spot, maybe there'll be, um, you know, maybe there'll be something there uh, staging. Um, and earlier, in fact, earlier as in a few days before, or maybe it was the day before or something, I was fishing there and I had a really large fish swim up onto the rock beside me as I was reeling in like a 30-incher, so, um, which was insane. So I'm fishing with the spook. And I'm working it, and I see, and it's right over this line of boulders, and I'm working it right in front of it. And then all of a sudden, because the waves are breaking over the boulders, it just, the bass just blew up right in front of it. And it was a huge bass. And I was like, oh my God, keep working, keep working it. And then another fish hits it. It was the smaller of the two. And um, it's still like a nice fish. It was still like a 30 incher really early in the season. It was like one of, it was like my first, it was probably my second or third, like 30 inch bass of the year at that time. So that just shows you like I was catching a lot of schoolies. Um, and I even qualify like a, a keeper is a keeper, a 30 inches like again, but they're still schooly bass. They're in a school and they're not giant. They're not really pulling that much drag unless you have very light lines, whatever. But um, I'm, I hook into it. I'm fighting it. I get it over the thing. I reel it in. It's like, yeah, I caught a fish. But as I'm reeling it in, I pull it up onto the boulder beside me and a 40 inch bass swims up onto the rock beside me as I pull this fish up, the wave, the wave drains back out. The bass sinks down onto the rock, flaps twice on the rock, and slides back into the water. So, and it was not hooked. It just followed its friend up onto the onto the rock, which is amazing. I've never seen that happen before, um, ever, even with smaller fish. And it was must have just been a really, really hungry fish. And it saw the plug inside the other fish's mouth and was really hungry and tried to stealing, trying to steal the 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 plug from the other fish. So it was like trying to whatever so that was my thought i was freaking out because i there was two giant fish giant fish um and um i you know i that was a great fish and i let that one go and i fished there i didn't get anything else really that day but a day after we're in the same spot and i say last time i was here with the spook i hooked a big one and ben was working a pencil and i was like do you want the spook and he's like no i'm gonna stick with the pencil um, and I caught probably four fish that were all like 25 inches at that time on the spook. And I'm like, wow, it's going pretty well. But it was one of those things that it's when the, like the schoolie bass just are attacking like very aggressively. Um, and it was cause we were throwing the right plugs. We were not catching anything earlier in the, in, it was being, it was very slow like that for the first part of the day. Uh, and then we found a school of fish that was feeding um, and they were feeding on the plug that we were throwing perfectly. Um, and then um, and then one of the casts, we both cast kind of at the same time. And we're working it over in the same area. And I have my plug maybe three feet in front of his. And I hook into a fish. And then as soon as I kind of like, and I or didn't hook into it, I think a fish blew up on mine. And then all of a sudden something hits his plug. And then the whole water is just exploding. And this fish, you know, when you hook a really big fish, it generally thrashes on the surface and then takes off into a run, especially if you hook up on the surface as well. But it's thrashing on the surface and thrashing on the surface, and it's a big fish. I reel my, my plug in quickly, I throw my rod to the side, and I'm like, okay, don't freak out. Let's reel this in nice and slow. And I was expecting like this big run to come from this 
like 40 inch bass and um i was like this could this is this could be like 25 inches as it's getting closer i'm like this could be 30 this is like or this could be 25 pounds and as it was getting closer i was like yeah this is a 30 pound bass all day and it's getting closer and getting closer and i grab the line and i pull it up onto the thing in the um the clip that we were using just like is fully bent and the the bass just like falls onto the ground grab the bass and we're like oh my god this is a huge fish this is crazy and um yeah and it was hooked pretty deep but it was uh it wasn't like we did anything crazy. Literally, I grabbed the line and I grabbed the fish and I like I like, grabbed it and I in one motion moved it up and, the, and then the line fell off and the fish was just laying on the seaweed. And then I was like, okay, let's quickly grab this. There's a tide pool with fresh water moving into it from the waves. And I was like, let's bring them right quick into the water. Let's keep them under the water. We'll hold them up for a few pictures and let them go. So we take this fish, which didn't fight at all, mind you, not one single run, like click a drag. It was just thrashing on the surface and we get it into the water. We're keeping it submerged in the water and there's waves coming in. So this is all fresh. We're keeping it moving back and forth uh, in the water. And uh, I pull up my measuring tape. We measure it out. It's 44 inches. Um, and I, we throw that aside. We take some pictures of it, which you're probably going to see as the thumbnail. I mean, that's the fish. And it's a really nice fish. If you're on YouTube, I guess you'll see the thumbnail um, of it. So uh, it was a really nice fish. Uh, and we weighed it out. Um, and it was uh, just shy of 30 pounds. It was like 20, I want to say it was like 28, 29 pounds. So uh, it was, which is like crazy, but that fish at being 44 inches should have been a, easily a 30 pound bass. Uh, and it also was missing a huge chunk of its face, like a huge side of its mouth was just gone. Like like a, it had a hook in there and it just like uh, must have uh, like deteriorated. It just had a huge side of its mouth was missing. Um, we kept it under the water really like the entire time, held it up for a few pictures like this, put it back in the water reviving it doing nice figure eights with it for a while and then we release it um and the bass swims out and then I, as i'm watching it swims out and it goes belly up because it kicked hard but it swam out and then went belly up so we dove in the water and again it's this early june and the water's cold i mean it's probably maybe 58 maybe 60 but it was cold water and then dove down probably 20 feet grabbed this fish, swam it up, and we revived it for another 30 minutes, and then the fish just started bleeding out and died. Um, and I've never had, to this day, hooked a fish like that and had it just keel over and die. So, um, yeah, I mean, it sucks when you have a fish, especially of that size, die, but the fact that it didn't pull any drag and the fact that we did everything right to keep it alive, pull out of the water for a second, held it up, you know, or pull out of the water for a second, put it back in a tide pool, we kept it submerged under the water, keeping it moving, keeping water going through its gills, fresh water, mind you, in super clear, clean, cold water as well. Um, and the bass still died. So I I mean, I don't know what we did wrong. Um, the fish just was towards the end of its life, clearly, because we didn't have extremely tight drag because we we're catching schoolies. And, um, and, we, and the thing just was not uh, pulling a lot of drag. It was just doing corkscrews in the water. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't really know what we did wrong. I think the fish was just old. Honestly, I think it was just a very old, tired fish that, uh, was definitely towards the end of its life. 
and uh, we tried everything we could. But that story is very perfect because um, uh, it, that, like that time of the year, the bass are a little bit more aggressive. Yes, because the water is cooler. So again, that leads into another thing that I'm going to talk about is when you're fishing for finicky fish, try to fish clear, cool, deep water. Um, so that's not always the easiest thing, especially if you only live near sandy beaches. But uh, if you do live near sandy beaches, try to find places where there's big drops and troughs. And if you can, swim out as far as you can to uh, sandbars and fish off those sandbars because a lot of the time the bass will be swimming along the sandbars or sitting in the troughs uh, and uh, you can be you know neck deep staying on this thing casting over your head and you can still hook a 40 pound bass a few feet in front of you uh, in a deep hole using a pencil or using a spook uh, because the fish are still feeding and they're trying to stay cool and deep as they can but they do have to come close to shore sometimes to push bait up so it's oh, it's sometimes pretty difficult, and also be, you have to be aware of current and everything. So don't like do anything too crazy. But um, that's definitely a good like a good way to find bigger fish is to fish cooler, deeper water. It's a lot easier for me because I live in places that there are like you can go to a cliff and you can have a forty foot drop or a fifty foot drop, and that's I mean that's not even joking. I mean, you have these huge. Uh, fish not very far off. I mean, I know of people that are catching tuna 100 feet, like 200, well, probably a little more. It's probably more like 500 yards away, but it's still super close to where I am. I don't think it's ever possible to hook a tuna from shore, but the amount of like mackerel in some of these areas that are like, I'm talking about football fields of mackerel on the surface, just winding on the surface, like absolutely football fields. And they don't really do that unless they're, I guess they do it when they're feeding, but they also don't really do that unless they're being like, like attacked from beneath. Um, and a lot of the time that's striped bass. And, and I see that at night sometimes and I'll see these huge schools of mackerel move through and I know I won't catch a single bass the entire night because the, uh, the mackerel just, there's too many, too much bait in the water. Um, and you'll see that with bunker and same thing, unless there's blitzing going on. But this is something I, I mean, I wonder a comment if you are watching this on YouTube, if that if you've ever come across something like this where you'll have like football fields of mackerel or at least huge pod, like at least like a good sized school of mackerel, and they're in they're covering you know like twenty feet around, and there's a whole bunch of them on the surface. Feeding. I guess there's smaller schools I've seen too, but still, they're all feeding on the surface. And then, um, in, just in general, like if you've ever seen that, because I know they, when you're fishing for tuna, that you'll have huge 800 pound bluefin tuna feeding on schools of mackerel like that. So you know that the same bait is being fed on, you know, 500 yards off the, off the sh offshore. And I, you know, I've heard stories of people catching them, catching small bluefin on fly rods like out by these islands that are not that far off that I've kayaked out to and fished from. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of cool to, to know that there's such crazy creatures, crazy fish out there. Um, but, but at the same time, it shows you that if there are bluefin tuna that are feeding there, like it's definitely going to be cool enough and deep enough for these striped bass. Um, and so that's, it's interesting because sometimes like you'll fish along a rocky cliff line 
and you won't catch. I mean, it's difficult to catch fish because there's not a lot of structure. But at the same time, there are bass below there. At that point, a plug that is very good for fishing in deep water, uh, when you know the bass are down low, is and especially during the day, is just noisy, huge pencils. Uh, they don't have to be huge, I guess, but noisy pencils. I don't have one with me right here, but um, a noisy pencil popper will will create a disturbance on the surface and these fish are built to feel vibration and it creates vibration on the surface it looks like a fish's tail or whatever going on the surface and so they they'll see or hear or feel that this is going on near them and they'll come from pretty far away like you know they could probably be coming from over they could they could go from like 50 60 even maybe more yards away hear that and come up and investigate so um what you want to do is you want to throw these the pencil and you want to try to work it like there's many different ways you can work a pencil but you want to work it where you have it thrashing back and forth and you you don't really real i have do i have a rod here i guess i can use the the head of the tip of a rod to demonstrate this so um when i'm you don't really want to reel that much so if i'm working my pencil popper I want to do this with my rod way more than I'm doing a crank. I'm probably reeling maybe this fast when I'm working a pencil. And what that does is the the plug is going to go back and forth. Obviously, if it's a bigger plug, sometimes you want to have bigger motions with the top of your plug. But I pretty much say it's like maybe two or three like bows the rod depending on how fast you could be working it really really fast but in, if you're going like this with it versus when you're going really really quick with it uh you want to be working it at a speed where you have if i'm working a bigger pencil i'm going to be working it slower so i'm working probably every three times i move the rod tip up and down i'm doing one crank and so it's about that and that depends on how you can make the plug walk back and forth but you want it to be throwing as much water um and trying to and disturbing as much as possible on the surface uh that seems to be the best way to to get these fish to come in because if you think about it you're having this plug that's going like this on the surface although in you know in a like in a if it's moving it's probably moving it's crawling across the surface it's moving super slow across the surface even though the thing's going like this it's moving super slow across the surface of the water uh creating that disturbance that will call up the fish and also it means some the most fun thing to watch because these fish won't only eat it with their mouths the i you i video and i've seen the bass come up and they'll slap the plug with their tail trying to kill it they'll hit the plug up in the air six feet in the air i had one day where, um, and I've told the story a handful of times, but it's so cool, I'm gonna tell it one more time, where I had this fish hit the plug up in the air um, three times on my retrieve, and then it launched it, and it hit and landed on a pile of rocks. Like I was, there was like a, a bunch of boulders sticking out of the water, and I cast down the line of the boulders, and I'm working this pencil, and I, this is a huge fish, this is a 40 inch bass, and it's hitting this plug four feet, three feet, four feet, six feet out of the water onto the side of a rock and I'm pulling it back from the water I had seaweed on it but I'm sure if I pulled it back into the water the fish still would have gone after it so um it just and that's the thing so when the, the fish first hits it out of the water the first time it does that when it lands on the surface 
I'd say try to work it as violently as you can just in one spot. And sometimes the bass will come up and hit it. But then you can try different things. If the, the bass is still just swirling behind it, then try stopping it and pausing it and seeing if the bass hits it. So there's different retrieves that you can do. But I find that if you can do a very aggressive, loud retrieve, then sometimes the bass will come up and hit it. So, but one thing to keep in mind is when you're fishing, I like to have one pencil and one spook style plug in my bag at all times if I'm fishing during the day. And the reason for this is they're very, they're good complementary plugs. They're very different, but also very similar in the same aspect where uh, if you're fishing a pencil and you're having a bass and you have a lot of fish swirling on it and yet they're not coming up and committing to hit it, switch over to the slower uh, moving spook and maybe that will be the ticket. And a lot of the times it is. A lot of the time it is, It. I mean, I've had so many times where I've thrown uh, the spook and it, it's, I'm just working it nice and slow across the surface of the water uh, and they're not hitting it and I switch over to a pencil and they want that more aggressive retrieve and vice versa where I'm fishing a uh, pencil and I'm getting all sorts of swirls and I, these bass are not hitting it and I'm getting frustrated because I'm working the pencil in all these different ways and the bass are just still not hitting it and I switch over to the spook and I catch 20 fish in a row. So, uh, you know, again, always experiment, experiment with what you're fishing with and with like the spook being such a great plug for, uh, for like just switching back and forth with pencils. Like that's a great plug for that. You can even do it, the same thing with the, the Danny plugs. You can have them working up on the surface and they're not committing to it. So switch over to something a little bit faster, like a spook or a pencil. So Complementary plugs are something that is a trick to also trigger a bite. So I've talked a lot about plugs working really well, but another like another lure or plug, I guess you could call it, that works really, really well is weightless soft plastics like sluggos or hoagie, uh, like soft plastics that you can work pretty slowly and they have that realistic movement in the water that sometimes is what you want. I like when I like fishing them in early morning in like shallow water and working these through current, especially in current as well. You can almost drift them down. You don't really have to reel very much and the thing's just working right in the current and the bass just come slam it right on the surface or it's just just half a foot under the surface of the water and you're just twitching. It's a long, they can be huge and you're just slowly twitching it and reeling it, slowly twitching it and reeling it and then the, the bass just slam it. So that's another plug that is fantastic for finicky finicky fish um as well if you're trying all these topwater lures and they're not getting eaten try going subsurface with that another one that's really great is i like throwing so daiwa sp minnows are great as well you fish those under the water they have that huge big wobbling motion we have a there's a wobbler pumba plugs has a wobbler as well and the wobbler has very similar action to an sp minnow or like a mag darter and so, uh, and it's a little bit different profile. So sometimes just profile and uh, action uh, can uh, get these fish to actually commit to hitting plugs a little bit more aggressively, uh, which is pretty cool to to see what's working, what's not. And it's fun when you're fishing and you know that because you've made a lure change, it's working better. That's like, that means that you're doing the right thing. That means that you know, like that's you improving and growing as a 
as a fisherman because uh, it's it's sometimes super difficult to actually uh, know when to when to make that change. Um, and I get that a lot, like when people ask me um, about like making the switch from fishing with uh, a plug. When do I switch to fishing another plug? Um, and it's it's pretty difficult to do to know when to make that switch but um it's much easier when you when the fish are being very uh very uh like you see them swirling and they're not feeding then you know that you should make the switch but when they're not swirling on your plug when do you make that switch i I pretty much will fish a plug for like 25 30 minutes and if i'm not getting any action then i'm going to switch it up because and the reason i fish a plug for over 20 i guess it's more like 20 minutes but the reason i fish one plug for over 20 minutes is if i have like full and complete confidence in that lure for working if there's bass around uh then i'll start switching it up but generally i'm switching to something that is like drastically different like something that is going to be in a different part of the water column uh completely so yeah anyway so i'm gonna get into more weather right now so this is something that's super important for fishing and i guess this is something that like i mean there's been all sorts of times where i where i've been all sorts of times where i've been fishing and uh for like week stretches where i'm having horrible fishing and then there'll be a thunderstorm that's rolling through or a rainstorm or whatever and you'll be able to fish in it's when it's at the biggest low pressure systems even post low pressure well i guess so even before the low pressure system comes try fishing before low pressure systems come and then try fishing during and after and i guarantee you before during and after something will happen uh sometimes it's uh pre-frontal conditions is what the bass are mostly feeding at sometimes it's post-frontal conditions and sometimes it's in the middle of the storm and i'm talking full downpour it can be 12 o'clock full downpour try fishing sometimes that's the perfect time to fish a lot of the time a lot of times it's a lot more difficult to fish topwater plugs at that time you can throw a lot larger lures um such as your jointed swimmers uh or um uh in other glide baits uh uh shad sticks are great um shad swimmers are great like i'll throw all of those different plugs Although you can throw a big pencil and it makes enough of a disturbance on the surface that the bass definitely will come up and smash that. So uh, that's a big, big thing that's going to help you increase your bite. Try fishing when the storm, and it might sound a little basic if uh, you've been fishing for a while, but if you haven't, that's a great, great time. The worst conditions to just be outside are the best conditions for first strike bass fishing. The more windy, wavy, and rainy it is, the better the fishing is going to be. Um, and so uh, that's and that's something that's just just goes without saying, though, for a lot of people are like, I only fish when there's low-pressure systems coming through. And, um, and that's not always the case because a lot of the time during a high-pressure system, there are still big fish out there feeding. Um, and all it could take is just a little bit of wind. So one day it was 90 degrees, it was mid-July, and I swam out to an island at high tide. It was pretty, like, 
it was a little bit wavy, but it wasn't too bad. So I swam out. I had one pencil. I was not really planning on fishing. I was actually just like there with my family and there was the island and I was like, I have the rod in the car. I grabbed a little pencil and I swam out to the island. Literally first cast, I'm working this in. I see something that looks like a huge swirl and I'm like, uh, or it looks kind of like a wave or a rock swirling. I'm like, that could have been a big fish. And then all of a sudden, boom, big explosion, drag peeling and um, I'm on a nice fish. And I'm this, you know, this is like one of the, I mean, it was a big fish for the middle of the day and it caught me completely by surprise. And um, it was peeling out line and I was like tightening up, tightening up, tightening up. And then I'm just sitting there, I'm like, okay, I'm settling in for this fight. So I'm fighting and so the fish stops its first run, I start reeling, I get, I'm getting some line, I'm getting some line, I'm getting some line, goes into its second run. Peeling out line, peeling out line, peeling out line. And then I get it back up. I'm working it back up again. I'm working it back up again. And then it goes to another run, peels up line, and then snaps. And I'm like so pissed because <laughs> uh, I was so excited to hook a big fish. And I was like, I was super excited. So, but I, but it snapped off. I was like so, so upset with myself for not being able to land that fish. And since the day, I've not thrown 50 pound leader. Since that day, I've not thrown 50 pound leader. And the reason for that being is that implanted in my mind as being like, you can never not be prepared to hook a big fish ever again. You always have to fish knowing that you're going to hook a big fish. And generally I'm not fishing just to like on a whim. Like generally I'm fishing to catch a large fish. And that's something that can get really toxic in your mind to be like, I need to catch a big fish. And sometimes it makes you enjoy fishing less when you're focusing so hard on trying to land that the, that trophy fish that catching a 30-inch bass, you're like, can't believe this 30-inch bass ate my plug and just throw it back in the water. And you get like mad that you're catching a handful of schoolie bass when you should be like, yes, I'm getting consistent action and this is fun. It turns into this like anger at like, why would this fish eat my plug? Um, but anyway, uh, that's beside the point. Like always be like, excited to catch fish because you know it's you when when you're sitting in the middle of the winter like I am now I'd kill for a 12 inch bass to hit anything I don't care what I'm throwing I'd kill that hook a 12 inch bass right now um and so you know it's it's one of those things that's that's that you so that implanted in my mind so much that I, since then, I don't, the, the lightest leader I've ever thrown since then is 60 pound fluorocarbon. I was fishing 50 pound mono from big spool and I just tied it onto a thing, snapped off, was fishing 60 ever since then and did not lose a fish the entire rest of the season due to gear failure. And come to think of it, I don't think I lost a single fish that was over 35 inches the rest of the entire season. I landed every single big fish and I had some incredibly like, like there's no way I'm landing this bass because it's got me around a rock for six minutes and I'm trying to figure out a way to get the, the line off this rock and I'm pulling lightly and I'm loosening my drag and opening my spool and jumping in the water and, and then finally land like a 45 inch bass. And that's something that like is so shocking that my, my uh, ability to get more comfortable, the more big fish I caught, the more comfortable I was catching big fish. So I ended up landing all the big fish. And that's why I used to, I mean, we used to have the worst track record, the worst. 
we used to lose, and I'm talking just about like me, my family, or whoever, whoever I was fishing with. I felt like whenever I was fishing with someone, we'd always hook, if we ever hooked into like a really truly large fish, like a bass over 35 inches, we'd every single time lose it. So um, it was really crazy to be able to land every single bass that was over 35 inches the entire year. And I mean, I caught a huge number of fish that were over 35 inches since that point. Uh, and it was very like lucky that I, that I only lost that one. And it wasn't even that big of a one in general. Uh, so it was, I mean, it was, if I had to guess how big that fish was, I would say judging by how many runs that it took and judging by, um, like, like the fact that it snapped 50 pound mono that was freshly tied, like right in the middle, um, and not having taken me into a rock, it had to have been with the drag that I had, which was tight but not like crazy. Uh, it had to have been at least a 40 inch bass, um, not, and I don't think it was over probably 45 inches. It was probably between 40 and 45 inches. So that was about the size of how big that fish was. But it was still incredible to actually hook into a fish like that. Um, and uh, uh, the the I, I guess I'll go into another thing about current in general. Uh, it helps a lot when you're fishing. Uh, sometimes when current flows out of an estuary, it's going to be super warm in the summer, but when it's flung back in or into a river, I guess, it could be either one. Uh, when it's flung back in, uh, it can be pretty cool and that can trigger a pretty nice bite. So sometimes that's what you want to do is have, be focusing on when the cool water is flowing in. Uh, sometimes I'll also push some bait in as well. Uh, and it's kind of the opposite for during the spring. You kind of want the water flowing the other direction because you want that warm water flowing out, and that's when the bass are feeding earlier in the spring. Um, so I think that is, um, I think that's it for this podcast. Uh, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, this was uh, something that I kind of wanted to go over because this is a pretty fun topic. I think uh, as far as fishing with uh, four finicky bass, I feel like that's something that everybody deals with at some point in the year. Everybody deals with that middle section of the summer that's like, oh my God, I can't catch a single schoolie. Or even the fact that you're trying to catch a larger fish uh, and you can't catch it. Um, and then, and I've talked extensively about fishing at night and that's the number one time to fish when the bass are being finicky is to fish at night. And I have a whole podcast dedicated to how to fish at night. Uh, and when, and I, uh, and also moon phases help. And, um, I, again, I've talked extensively about that. So just dig into any of my other podcasts and, um, 90% of the time I'm talking about moon phases and fishing at night, because that's really what you have to do to catch really large fish. Um, anyway, so thanks for listening and, um, I'll see you next time.